being able to have that flexibility on the developer side to say, okay, yeah, we can do this, we can do that. I think that's something that's really attractive to for merchants and saying, yeah, we don't have to shoehorn our business into this model that Shopify created for us. It makes it easier for them to kind of express or, like you were saying earlier, like write the story about your brand, you know, and putting it out there in a different way. From Boston Commerce, it's the Commerce Minded Podcast, a show where we go behind the scenes to talk with the people who make e-commerce tick. Retailers, consultants, agencies, independent creatives, and developers, they're all here. I'm Stephen Callender. Our guest today is Sebastian Duhestin, the man behind the dev studio Bleeps and Blops. Hey, so how's it going? How was your uh, your May, May 2019 going? Hope it's going well. You know what's cool is my um, my parents are coming to town. So they uh, retired in Vegas. So I grew up I grew up in Houston primarily until like high school. Then I went to suburb of Dallas and um, sometime in Houston, we started taking vacations to Las Vegas. And eventually became two times a year, we would go to Vegas. And we always stayed at the Tropicana, which is still there. And uh, my parents would give my brother and me rolls of quarters to go down and play at the arcade down there. And then also we'd just go swimming too. The Tropicana had a cool pool for, for kids back in the day. So I don't know what they have now. It was a good time. But my parents loved it there enough that eventually... They retired there, so they bought a house there and up in uh, one of the suburbs. They travel by car. I mean, go on a lot of cruises. They actually just did a month-long cruise from Sydney to L.A., and then they hopped in a car, and they're driving from L.A. They drove from L.A. to Dallas, where my brother is, through Arkansas, where some family is, and then they're coming up this way. So excited to see them, especially Mother's Day, just passing. And um, yeah, they're going to get to see our uh, our new place and our baby girl growing up a little bit more, 11 months. Goodness, that's what's happening for me. I'm really excited to see my folks. Oh, <laughs> what's crazy though is because they really like Las Vegas. My dad loves the heat and he grew up in Detroit and he left Detroit as soon as possible after college because he hates cold and he hates the snow. So that's where he moved to Houston. But when they're coming this time, this is the power of grandkids. They're looking for a house. Now, it's not, they're not sold on the idea if they're going to do it because they don't really know what they would do here in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know what they would do here in Columbus, Ohio either because their day job essentially now is they play bingo. And that, that doesn't really happen here. So they're going to look for a house and just kind of see, I think. So kind of exciting and weird at the same time. Yeah. That's what's happening for me this week. So I hope you've got something fun and interesting going on this week. And uh, I thought I'd say, so So this is a this is a good episode. So Seb, he um, kind of caught my attention with a site that he built. He has to kind of keep the client um, quiet. You can click around on his links and maybe find the thing. It's not like it's hidden away. But there was a site that caught my attention. And uh, one of the things he was doing was multi-currency work and just kind of wanted to... Pick his brain 
and I already say this in the episode, so it's kind of duplicating this what I'm saying here, but we've not done a multi-currency site. And so I what I wanted to do really was kind of create a mini episode that was more tech centered of like, hey, how did you do this? But also more of a have somebody else like come in as the as the expert of this, somebody who's done something and kind of just really dive into the the tech of it. How'd you solve this problem? And we're going to do these little mini episodes. And because it was tech, I wanted to bring in Michael. So Michael Van Dorth, our lead developer, our um, product manager. And uh, so so he's on the show, first time. And we, we talked tech a bit. And that's what this is. So because it was going to be a mini episode, I didn't really ask Seb more about himself and kind of you know behind the scenes stuff. We're just going to keep it straight tech. But I'm really regretting it because after they recorded the episode, I just realized, no, this is a full episode. We're not going to do the mini episode stuff. Like, I don't have time for that. Let's just do this thing. So, but anyways, Seb's worth looking at. If you just go to his Twitter profile, so it's in the show notes, but it's just Seb Duheston. You just have to look it up. Wherever you're listening, just see his name. But that's his Twitter profile. And uh, he's got cool stuff of like, uh, just you know, his profile of things he's a part of, especially with music. Even the name of Bleeps and Blops is his dev agency where it comes from. So all that, we don't really dive into his personal side. I have tons of questions I would love to ask him then about the non-tech stuff. But um, we're delivering the tech in this one. So so I hope you like it. If tech is just out of your realm, I totally understand. You should go listen to Conan O'Brien's new new podcasts. I'm kind of enjoying that one. I'm enjoying Conan O'Brien's one. I don't always enjoy Conan O'Brien, but I don't know. Something about it. It's good. Anyways. This is an interview with Michael and Seb. We'll see you on the other side. So, Seb, you, you go by Seb, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seb's fine, yeah. Yeah. So, and where, where are you out of? I'm based in, in France, in Paris. Nice. All right. So, uh, Michael is on our team. He's been, we've been working together since 2013. Where are you based out of, man? I'm in southern Spain, in uh, the, the uh, southern part of Spain, Andalusia. I'm at the southernmost tip of Spain, in the province of Cadiz. It's about uh, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump away from Morocco over the Straits. I'm at the about uh, I'd say about thirty minutes up the coast from the Straits of Gibraltar. Amazing! Oh yeah, because your your team is uh, fully remote. Stephen, is that right? I heard you say that on another previous episode. Yeah, we're fully remote. I prefer to have no one near me. Yeah, I don't want to see his face every time either. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Michael, did you get a shower after your workout, or are you sweating right now too? No, I had time to take a shower. Oh, I, good I for did you. have time to take a shower. So luckily, we they haven't advanced the technology of smell over the internet. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I, I'm right now. I'm still in my workout clothes and I'm sweating like crazy. So <laughs> I just go back. So this is why this is why I don't want people near me. So. So tell me about your your setup. Are you working kind of freelance? Are you working with an agency? What's your work like right now? Um, so I'm mostly freelance. I used to live in London, so I have clients either in London or here in Paris. And it's mostly work for design or branding agencies. And occasionally I sort of hire freelancers, either other devs or designers when, you know, when the project needs it. But yeah, that's my setup. Awesome. So you've done um, something that I was hoping that we we could learn from. So we were chatting in uh, Craft's uh, Discord server and about multiple currency setup in Craft Commerce. Um, so I thought I'd take this in this time to 
really kick off. It's an idea I've kind of had in my head to, to do these little mini episodes of just kind of tech focused and like how to do something. Yeah. So I was hoping that you could actually be the one to kind of share with us and anybody who's listening, the like what you've done um, and how you did it. But let's start with the challenge. So the current setup in craft commerce regarding multiple currencies is essentially where you can define other currencies, right? You can allow people to be charged in their bank accounts, like the currency, but this is actually, I'm going to read straight from the uh, craft documentation right now. It says, craft commerce allows you to accept payments in other currencies you define. All products are entered and stored in the primary store currency you set up. Additional payment currencies can then be added, which provide a conversion ratio based on the primary store currency. And so this shifts the exchange rate they pay from being discovered on their credit card statement after payment to a known amount during checkout. But this isn't like the most ideal, especially that conversion rate of not being alive rates and um, not being able to set like an actual, like if you want it to be $1.99 across the board everywhere and whatever, no matter what currency, that setup doesn't really work. Is that right? Is my understanding of the default setup in commerce correct? Yeah, yeah, totally. It works exactly like Shopify, actually, where um, you can sort of display prices in other currencies, but then when you card from at payment time, boom, it switches to the main one with a weird looking, you know, final price and it's really not ideal. I guess it would, it can kind of work for some shops, like if you sell, I don't know, t-shirts or sort of things that aren't very expensive and that don't really have a strong brand attached to it. So for this client, they're a fashion designer based out of London and they sell, you know, they have maybe like 50, 60 uh, products. I guess, yeah, high-end dresses, you know, like $2,000, $3,000 kind of price points. They wanted to be able to show quote-unquote nice prices, so not have going from $3,000 to, to, you know, 3,537 euros or something. It had to, (laughs) you know what I mean? It had to look good because otherwise it's just like, it looks really cheap and tacky and for this kind of brand, it's just not ideal at all. So that was like the sort of main requirement for them when we started the project when you started building it in commerce did did something you checked or did you discover it along the way no so basically there there was a discussion originally into what system we're going to use and i looked into a couple of other things and i looked into shopify plus which is the premium version of shopify but you have to the minimum monthly cost of it is twenty four thousand dollar a year uh, so for them, it wasn't really an option because they were just starting their e-commerce and they weren't really sure how, how many dresses they were going to sell. And so we sort of put that aside. Then there was talks of using Magento, but I'm not a Magento dev and I was sort of trying to steer them away from it. And uh, my understanding with Magento is that the project would have costed an order of magnitude more than it, more than it did. So we, uh, you know, I sort of nudged them towards craft commerce. And at, at the same time as I was doing this, sort of you know pitch work i started looking into the currency thing and i think i found a couple of lines of code on stack overflow which did look like it was going to work and then maybe i I think i also asked in the slack at the time and someone you know pasted like a rough example and i thought okay you know this can probably work and at the time craft commerce was in beta as well the craft commerce 2 I guess it was a little bit risky because the beta, the fact that the currencies, you know, looked a bit dodgy, but I, I thought we could make this work. So made the case for it and, uh, yeah, we decided to go with it. And so 
after that, I had to figure out how to make it work properly. <laughs> <laughs> so then walk us through. So what, what, um, what's your setup now? And even start as like, what's the user experience? So for, for customers, uh, depending on where they are, like what is it that they're experiencing on their side? There's no geo-targeting. Uh, we haven't done that. They haven't really asked for it. You sort of start, you arrive on the UK site and you get price in pounds. And then on the top right, you have a little currency switcher and you can choose USD or euros. And you can click on this wherever you're in the site. So if you're on the project page and you see a price in pounds, you can click on the euro sign and you get the same page in euros. So no fancy reduction depending on where you are. There's no like pop-up saying, oh, it looks like you're visiting us from Europe. Do you want to switch? It's fairly basic. Just get this, this two little currency icons. You know, once you're in a currency, it doesn't really, it feels exactly the same as the other currencies. So it doesn't tell you about conversion or anything like that. You just see the new price and you can add to cards and you can pay. And basically all the way until checkout is you never see the other currencies. So you say you're in euros, you keep seeing euros. And at the end, you get to the payment module, which is Stripe. And it just says, you know, the price in euro, you pay in euro and your credit card would be debited in euros there's no surprise you get an invoice in euros so from the customer's perspective it's pretty sleek and simple i guess there's a couple of like little adjustment things so for example we decided or they decided to only so the the currencies match the countries so if you choose pounds you can only ship to the uk and you can only have a uk billing address if you choose euros you can only have a europe and then us is us so there's a bit of logic there that if you change currency halfway through, you sort of have to change your address to make it match the, the new country. And I think this could be handled better on the front end, but they don't have a massive amount of customers. So it's not something that we've finessed yet. There's another thing uh, with dollars is we add duties. Uh, so that's kind of cool. So you get a standard sort of shipping cost if you whichever currency you choose. But then if you choose US dollars, when you get to the final page, there's an extra line saying customs and there's an amount there in dollars that just gets added to the total. And that's pulled from an external service. So there's a little little adjuster in the back end that pulls this rate whenever the customer reaches the final checkout stage and is paying in US dollars and you just add those duties on. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I like about a lot of people don't don't really think about it too is that uh, you were talking earlier about the sort of geolocation that you automatically, you know, and it, it's you go to sites sometimes and it's going to switch over. It looks like here, but a lot of the things they don't take into account is people, especially in Europe, are quite mobile, going from one border to the next. And a lot of people have adopted the euros, but like I was just uh, last week in Poland and stuff like that. So if I access a site and I'm no, I'm not going to pay in slotty if I'm going to. So order when you're ready like to buy your your uh, your designer dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to go out that night, man. <laughs> so yeah, and that's that's one of the things. It's a sort of a UI thing that initially sounds like it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's great. You can automatically you know pick up where they're at and set the thing. But that's not always a good case sometimes to use. And I really like that that you kind of went with the simpler option. They also have other types. They they have sort of marketing content like fashion shoots, stories. And so they're going to, ha- they're going to do a shoot in this particular location in London. They're based in London. You get a little bit of that feel. Even if you're coming from the US, you're like, Oh, it's a London based designer. That's kind of cool. And then you see prices in pounds and you're like, Oh, okay. That's weird. And then you sort of people are used now to sort of look 
on the top of the screen, left, right, and then boom, they see the US dollar sign, they click, and then it's over. There's no, you know, that's it. It's, it's just really simple. And again, it, it works for them because of the image they're projecting, but for other stores, it might, it might, be, it might be different. Mm-hmm. Now that you're asking for advice, but I'd be really curious to see if you put that pricing, like whether it's the same kind of two-letter initials for the pricing options, like on the product page by the price there. So like if somebody was looking in the US and they see the pounds, like at that point on that product page, they can switch it almost like a variant and move them over and they see it. And so like that might prevent people who are at the checkout process and then having to switch there during that, you know, and have that that frustration or I, mean, I imagine it's not really a big frustration, but just an acknowledgement of like switching from a UK address to a US or a European address somewhere else. Yeah, they can switch before, but um... we're here to learn from you, though. So not not offer unsolicited <laughs> unsolicited uh, design design ideas. So the way you are tackling this, so you're obviously so the challenge is that the craft doesn't allow you to have those pretty currency numbers for multiple currencies. Uh, but then, so what's the solution that you, that you came up with? How did you uh, ended up working that out? First, I thought so. You know, because they have those rates in the back end that you can set up. Mm-hmm. This kind of fixed rate. I originally thought, what if we did something that updated those rates just as you change currency, it's going to pull the live currency and then update those rates kind of thing? Or like adjust the currency to match the desired converted price, if that makes sense. But it was just a bad idea because then there's like, you know, what if two people order at the same time? It's just, it just sounded bad. And it, but that was originally why I kind of quickly thought. And then the solution in the end is just to do, um, there's like a little hook and that changes the line item price. Let me do from the start. So basically when you're on a product page or when you're on a collection page where you see other products, it's super easy to just, you can show the price in pounds, but you can also show another custom field instead of that. And so that's, that's what we do. There's in the backend for each variant, there's uh, two extra custom fields for the price in USD and price in Euro. And the client fills those in. And basically, if the payment currency selected is euro, then all the product prices show this custom field, which is called price in euro. And it's just a simple custom field. Like, you know, for craft commerce, it doesn't have any, you know, it's not a real price, if that makes sense. You know, it could be like a barcode or SKU or anything like that. That's just for the display. So that's pretty standard. And then the real bit of magic, I guess, is when you add to cart. And at this point, there's um, yeah, there's a line item uh, hook that looks at the card payment currency, and if it's euro, it's going to go and pull the custom field for this and update the line item price, and that's it. And honestly, it, when it was working, I couldn't quite believe it because it, it's actually super super easy. It's like ten lines of code, you know, which was really surprising. So I was just yeah, it's basically really relieved that it was fairly easy and. Because it's not, you know, it's kind of baked in the system that you can change the line item price. I mean, there's no, there's no real uh, issues down the line where you, because you've hacked something at the start of the checkout, then, you know, somewhere down the line on the invoice, or there's another amount that shows up and it's all really weird. And it's not like that. It's really neat. And then when you get to checkout, the payment currency is whatever euro and you've updated your line item prices and it just works really nicely and it adds shipping and there's no, no real problems. The only thing I would say that's a little bit dodgy is uh, in the back end. So 
if you go to the orders screen, the way craft shows the orders and the prices is becomes all like wrong. It's going to show you wrong amounts next to the wrong currencies. Is that because it's trying to show the, the default currency price? No, it's showing the light. So it's going to say, um, so our base currency is pounds. So you have a 2000 pounds product. Okay. And then I'm going to pay in euros. So it's going to tell me, oh, it's 2,500 euros. So the line item price gets updated to 2,500. But for craft, the main currency is still pounds. So they are going to be places in the back end where it's going to say that the client paid 2,500 pounds, which isn't right. You know, they paid 2,500 euros. And you can kind of see if you click on an order and you look on the side and somewhere it's going to say payment currency euros. So you like, you, you, you know, you can sort of link it back. But for, for clients who are not very, I would say, uh, I don't know, kind or just <laughs> be like, what is this? This is all wrong and get behind up on things and that, then you kind of probably don't want to allow them access to this screen. And you would want to, you would want to build your own orders screen, which is probably a good idea anyway, because say in our case, we also have a shipping API and things like that. So I build them a little custom thing which is super basic but they see the right prices next to the right currencies and they can do other things like get a shipping label and stuff like that and so it's easier for them but yeah if you don't lock down the control panel a bit then they they can venture out and see those weird things and maybe get panicked a little bit so i I would say that's one of the main drawbacks of the setup but apart from that it's it's good and for the end customer they don't see any of that so they get a PDF in the right currency, they get all the confirmation page, right currency, emails, all good. So it's really just for the client that it can get a bit uh, weird looking in the back end. Interesting. Have you built this on Commerce 1 or are you, you said Commerce 2, right? Commerce 2 beta is you were on? Yeah, this is Commerce 2 beta and then I did the update recently to the 2.1, you know, one of the latest versions and yeah, it was it was kind of fine. I saw recently I think on the, on the Discord there's a plugin that does that that sort of adds uh, custom prices in the back end in a bit of a better way than what I did, but I don't know if they also handle the the cart adjustment and stuff. Uh, I haven't really looked at it, but I wonder if it's essentially doing uh, what I've done under plugin form. So maybe put in the show notes or find what that is, but. Yeah, well, one of the reasons, I mean, I was interested in, in chatting with you about it too is and to kind of learn and to see what you did is, so I, I'm planning on using that currency you're, you're mentioning. I mean, the, the plugin you're mentioning. It's a plugin called Currency Prices by Curious Agency with a K. And they've, they've done a couple of things. They did bulk pricing plugin. I'll have to reach out to them, talk to them a bit. But um, we have a project and they're, it's a UK-based company and they, there's one other currency they need and they need it in real, you know, the real currency. And so we're gonna we're gonna give this a run, and see how this works. Uh, the curious one. Yeah, looking at it super quickly now on GitHub, it looks like it does kind of the same thing. It's probably really good, and hopefully it also fixes the uh, order sort of discrepancies that I mentioned. So let me know. It goes. Be interested to see if it's just you know works out of the box. That'd be amazing. Yeah, and then obviously the goal is uh, to convince Luke and the, the crew over on the commerce side for Pixelontonics to bake this in, which they have in mind. You know, they have in mind to do once they get multi-store set up. Their approach is going to be multi-store, which then stores can have different currencies, so that that it's split up that way. Um, and so it's a different approach than what these are. 
It's funny because every single, I mean, I haven't done that many, but every single e-commerce site that I've done with London-based clients, they've always said that was one of the main things for them is can we show different prices and choose those prices? And a lot of time they sort of were hesitant to go with Shopify because of this strange conversion at the end and not being able to charge people in their native currency. So it sounds like a really uh, low-hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. For the craft team to pick and, and implement. And it would make such a good case because suddenly you're, you can argue to use craft against Shopify and just against WooCommerce as well with other arguments like, I think they can really start to compete against Magento and punch a bit above their weight, I guess. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we're excited about here too. And and having an international team and Michael's done kind of a bit of translations that like multi-site in the sense of like multiple translations. Because that's, I mean, it's obviously something that's more common in Europe as well. And so that whole ability to have a website and especially then the e-commerce site kind of speak the language of wherever the person is, imagining that you have retail, like physical retail stores, you know, you, you want to show like you've done, you know, them the real prices in that store, not some converted rate from, from pounds. And you would actually sell it in the store with those real numbers. And yeah, there'd be a huge benefit to that whole multi-store and, and international. Can you imagine like having a shopping cart where it's not only multi, we have multi-currencies, but it's also multilingual. And so like the language that you're in, you have the price that you're, you can have and without it having to be like a whole different build, all in the same build and be able to, like, to me, that's going to open up a whole new market for commerce. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And for, especially for some of you know, the smaller businesses that are starting out, because yeah, if, if it's a larger business, like say a Target or uh, they don't have Target here in Europe or something like that, but I mean, that they have the resources to go and create separate builds for all of that stuff and specialize. But for smaller shops that want to sell over borders and stuff like that, it's, I think it would definitely be, a, like you were saying, a, a way to push craft commerce in front of the pack, really. It really feels like developers building the, the sort of craft commerce system because it's a very kind of geeky way of looking at prices and how it works and it's like oh well there's a conversion rate you know 100 euro equal you know 120 dollars and yeah that's how it works that's how products work actually if you speak to you know a couple of stores and people who sell things the first thing they tell you is like no, no way man you know we're going to adjust those prices we're not going to be hung up on the currencies and yeah it's funny <laughs> it's good that you know it's catching up a bit with this plugin and hopefully maybe in, in core one day. I think that makes a really good point, you know, where I think of developers paying attention to their clients and kind of really listening to like the business cases of why, why they're making the requests they're making and to kind of really learn from what their industry needs. I mean, obviously what their particular business needs, but to try to extrapolate that into a bigger, like, okay, the challenge with commerce in craft is that it's a plugin within a larger system. And so it's not its primary domain. Like commerce is not its primary domain at all. Like where Shopify is, that's what it is. Yeah, big commerce, that's what it is. Magento, that's what it is. Uh, WooCommerce, it's a plug-in on too, but it's a big system. It's a huge ecosystem. I think some of that learning for the craft commerce team has to come from developers like us listening to our clients and then sharing that with the craft team through GitHub issues, through conversations, you know, and just kind of saying, hey, this is what's really needed out there. 
and to try to push for things like that. So that's why I like your setup is that it's answering that that need and finding a way to to make it work and to push in that direction. I, I have a question. So on the technical side too, um, how are your payment gateways set up? And do you know if there's any limitations for your setup and being able to charge a rate for in the currency of the customer based on your payment gateway? What have you learned in that? We ended up choosing Stripe, but we looked at Braintree as well. And there's another one because they're in the UK. It was Barclays Direct. And the reason we choose Stripe, I can't really remember. I think all all those services allowed you to build directly in the customer's currency, at least those three we were interested in. The reason we chose uh, Stripe was because in terms of the compliance of the server, it had um, a lower PCI requirement. If you sort of store credit cards or you have credit cards transiting through your your machine, your server, you have to respect a level of PCI and it can get fairly expensive and sort of you need to really know your stuff in DevOps and to get some of those, um, you know, reach some of those levels. And they wanted the checkout on the site. So they didn't want that payment, you know, that you take into like Barclays or HSBC and then you, you pay and then it sends you back to the site. They wanted, again, for the brand image and stuff. And so with Stripe, we could stay on the site. And the way Stripe Elements is done, it means that the PCI requirement is much lower than something else like Barclays Direct or other things like that. So there wasn't any real problem with Stripe, it was more, the sort of discussion was more along the lines of PCR requirement of the survey was going to be hosted on and the sort of checkout flow at the very end. I'm still learning about the depths of like payment gateways or the challenge, I should say the challenges of some of the gateways, because there has been like just default to Stripe in a lot of ways. I've always tried to convince clients to just use Stripe just so it makes our lives easier because we've always used it, you know, so it's like we have a setup for it, we can hook it up a lot faster and we don't have to worry about it. I think that's been amplified too because of the, the the subscriptions model. How that's all done on the on the payment gateway, and we've recently done a lot of jobs with with subscriptions. So we kind of used fell back to Stripe on that as well. Yeah, they're nailing the game, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see. Yeah, what what I really didn't want to do is start writing some custom payment gateway. No, no, <laughs> I didn't know Craftcommerce very well, and I was like, this I really will be out of my depth, and I don't want to get there. And so it's so funny. But Stripe ticked all the boxes. So it's funny. I mean, the payment gateway stuff—that's the world we're living in now. On on one project is we're actually building a subscription payment gateway, not Stripe. <laughs> so basically, comparable to what Craft built for Stripe um, subscriptions, we're like building one for for Recurly, and it's quite complex. So it's it takes a lot of time. But uh, Michael and I are, are keeping our hands out of that one. So we got other team members that are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> good, move. good move we learned our lesson yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll let y'all build it well hey man it's good to uh kind of hear the the solution to uh the challenge uh that you were facing and, and i know lots of people have, have faced it so i'll let you know i'll even follow up um somehow i don't know how i'll communicate with people but come back and check back in and i'll tell you if i um how the curious currency price plugin worked for uh build that we have so yeah, great. Yeah, so hopefully we'll, we'll have someone there. But if someone did want to reach out to you and just kind of ask you like how you set some stuff, what what your 10 lines of code were, is that something that you'd be willing to kind of share with people? Or Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. As I said, I you know originally found them on a Stack Overflow, so more than happy to share them either on 
uh, yeah, Discord. I'm Seb. I don't, I don't really know on Discord if there's several of you. I don't know how to. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm the only one. So on this group at least. So yeah, Seb, just ping me there or um, my email, uh, Seb at bleepsandblops.com. What's that? So I was curious when I saw that. It's, <laughs> it's just this is the name of my company. <laughs> I, mean, where, I guess where did it come from? So yeah, I knew that. But I, like, where did you come up with that name? I can't remember exactly. I think the idea is I've done a lot of uh, work for the music industry in London. And so the idea was that it was like bleep is sort of the sound like a synthesizer could make. Bleep, bleep. But bloop sounded a bit weird. So just call it bleeps and blobs. And it was a bit geeky, had some kind of music elements, and it was also free, not taken. There wasn't not, not anything looking like it in terms of naming. So that's the origin. <laughs> but it's really hard to pronounce here in France. It's the wrong name for France. Oh, that's funny. That's really funny. There's something else. So it's about the VAT. Oh, yeah. So I'm not an expert on VAT, but... It's um, there's something interesting, like a limitation that I haven't really overcome yet is that you can have, so in the backend of Craft, you can select if your prices of are inclusive of VAT or exclusive of VAT. And then the system will kind of not mention it at checkout or add it at the end. And what it can't do and what, the, what we were interested in with the client was to have the prices inclusive of VAT for a currency, but not for another. And this we haven't, yeah, we ha- I haven't really found a way to make that work. Maybe it's niche uh, sort of concern. I don't know, but it's definitely something I'd like to look into next time. I feel like it can be possible, but I haven't dived into it. So you're trying to have the VAT only apply to euro charges or? No. So if I remember correctly, they wanted to say, the the prices in pounds. So if you say five hundred pounds is inclusive of of VAT. Oh, got it. Yeah, but if you pay in dollars, they wanted to enter the price differently in the back end so that it would add some tax at the end. Uh, so say it would it would say a thousand dollar and then it would add that tax during the checkout process. Whereas for pounds, they want the price to be shown inclusive of that tax. But I can't really remember exactly the business case for it in terms of where, where you're meant to charge it and where you're not. But that's one of the things that I looked into because they asked and just couldn't do it right now. And I know for EU, there's lots of rules as well, which I don't know, maybe there are plugins for it now. Yeah, I've not seen any. I wonder though. Yeah, that, that is something. So is that something, and I, I don't want to sound like, <laughs> I feel like I have this preface all the time, but I don't want to sound like I know what I'm talking about and when it comes to like PHP or like coding stuff because I don't. Is that something where like an adjuster and like custom adjusters based on the currency that you've set up would possibly solve those as opposed to using Craft's default like tax definitions? Yeah, probably something like that. But I think when I looked at it, I would have had to remove one of the adjusters from craft, as in like, you know, set it up in the back end and then remove it at checkout. And it just didn't feel right <laughs> to me. Uh, so I didn't do it this way. But yeah, it could be that we should have done it the other way around with no VAT set up in the back end. And then, but then you get into other issues because, again, the way it's displayed in the orders page and things like that. Yeah. So it's kind of defined properly. Or just, or just gives you, <laughs> or yeah. why not? <laughs> as, as Michael, as Michael knows, like ah, no, let's go this other way. <laughs> we'll not do that. Michael, do you have any other kind of questions or thoughts or 
things that it brings up for you? No, not really. I just uh, like the really interesting conversation. And it's one of those things, like I said, it's it, to the developers that crafted Pixel and Tonic, stuff like that. I mean, it's great. I think it's great stuff for them to hear this sort of things because, yeah, it's coming out as these are the things that people need. It's kind of like what, you know, with us, we we're trying to go on the sort of the same front with reporting. You know, reporting is one of the things that's kind of have been left out with with commerce and it's one of those things that it's like yeah that's what customers want you know and and this is another one of those things you know having the the flexibility with prices and and you know different currencies and stuff like that i think is also something very needed yeah yeah it'd be really interesting to for them or someone to do a survey of like small and medium businesses and ask them what the limitations of their e-commerce system is and what they'd like to see and because i'm sure you you could get so much good data out of this and you know so many actionable points and it's funny like you were talking about shopify and how they focus on e-commerce you know obviously it's like the core thing but i find it quite interesting that they really haven't developed the content side of things like at all it's insane like there's projects where the you know the client wants some basic pages and a way to upload something with a layout that's a little bit different from the standard layout and it's just not possible. You need to add a plugin. It's a pain in the butt for them. And it's funny. And I know I know some clients didn't choose Shopify because of that. It's wild, you know. You think, how many people are you losing because you're not doing like basic kind of CMS, not offering basic CMS features? Yeah, it's well, Craft being very, you know, sort of content centric sort of thing too. I mean, it's was kind of a natural thing to a lot of even developers to, you know, convince clients like, yeah, if you're content heavy, you know, site, something like that, Craft is definitely the way to go where you have a lot more control, even, you know, editorial control or editorial design control over what you want. And um, looking at it, you know, commerce, it just seems like I like it because it's the mix of the two. I mean, you have on the craft side, you have all of that flexibility there. It's just a matter of, you know, taking commerce up to, you know, meet these marks that have been made by these other uh, systems that are just focused on commerce itself. But having a nice, happy mix of both of them, I think, is what really attracts a lot of developers to at least, you know, showing or, or putting craft commerce in front of their clients for them to have a look at it to make a decision before they just jump to the automatic, oh, okay, go to Shopify, go with, you know, big commerce. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's becoming like a thing that like kind of riles me up a bit, to be honest. So like, it's an interesting mix kind of, and y'all have nailed it, where Shopify, for example, has, it's really good for startups, you know, for somebody to get an idea of, is this business going to work, you know, and get a kind of a proof of concept of their brand or their product and, and how's it going to attract them for them to test their advertising skills. And, you know, are their Facebook stuff, is their messaging working? Is there whatever it is they're doing? There's obviously tons of ways to advertise. It's really good at that. The challenge is what I hear a lot of times and I follow, you know, Shopify people and podcasts and articles and stuff. And, and the things that they talk about, one, they often are things that I'm like, wow, that's really kind of a simple and given thing in craft is like, you know, hey, make sure you have good content and you're writing stuff and your brand is more than about, you know, your product page or things that that in commerce, at least in our approach, and I think a lot of people's approach is like, yeah, if if the client comes and wants to be able to do these things, then there's no limitations. We can kind of go. I still love the conversation I had with Jeremy Dalder of, and he we, we labeled the the podcast uh, episode called "Expertise Based Commerce." And kind of the idea of like that's his approach to his store is he just writes tons of content and that's boosts. His Google rankings, 
makes his advertising easier because then he can give away like, here's what you want to know about these products that we sell. And he becomes the expert and then people like they look to him. And so then when they want to purchase, they're, they're ready. They're already on the site. They're learning about it. And it's, anyways, it's a whole setup. The challenges that we have on the craft side, so the things that it's like, we can look at Shopify and like, okay, in craft side, we can answer those things pretty easily. But the challenge we have on the, on the craft side is that Shopify still does so much more when it comes to the cart when it comes to what the store can do. And I mean, in the sense of, I, I like this conversation of the currencies because the craft is eventually going to get, I think, ahead of, of Shopify, as you've noted. And in a lot of ways, even with kind of how you can do custom stuff, you you have gotten ahead of Shopify. But there's going to be other things that are kind of more of the merchant-centered stuff of like returns, reporting of like cost of goods sold, you know, and be able to, to like note that stuff. There's the whole like business side of commerce that craft commerce doesn't yet have solutions for, you know, or at least it has to be very custom. And even in the way you can enter stuff in the back end. And and so I'm very excited. I, I know that it's going that way. So it makes me even more excited. Like where are we going to be in a year from now that craft commerce is built on commerce or uh, built on craft as the core for this content stuff. But then the commerce piece of it itself is start going to start catching up to some of the abilities of, you know, the merchant abilities that these other platforms have. So I'm convinced we're in the right place, <laughs> but it's a topic that for me, just that's where the heart of all of this is. And like how commerce is going to succeed or not is just how ultimately how merchants start talking about it. Cause right now it's still developers presenting it. But as soon as you start having merchants saying, yeah, I've heard that commerce can do these things, whether it's multi-currency, you know, properly or it's something else. Wow, I heard that its refunding system is is perfect for what I need. Like that's going to help me track my business losses better or what, whatever the case is. There's lots of business cases. But I think once you get merchants talking about it, then I think the product has reached a really good spot. Yeah, I think of a lot of the other thing that's really uh, attractive for crafted, especially in the, on the merchant end, is the the amount of customizing that can be done now with the tools that we have. Because I mean, like you know, Stephen, I mean, there isn't a single commerce site that we built that has been exactly like the one before it. There is always have something different. There's always something, and it's neat. It's something that I enjoy about my job because you kind of jump in and, and learn about you know how businesses work, and they all have different ways of pricing and different ways they want to bundle products together and that sort of thing. It is a can get complex sometimes, but being able to have that flexibility on the developer side to say, okay, yeah, we can do this, we can do that. I think that's something that's really attractive to for merchants and saying, yeah, we don't have to shoehorn our business into this model that Shopify created for us. It makes it easier for them to kind of express or, like you were saying earlier, like write the story about your brand, you know, and putting it out there in a different way. I'm ready for, to hear whoever builds the first store that is like multilingual, multi currency, uh, and craft like. <laughs> I'm excited to see who who does that first. Maybe somebody's already done it. Maybe, but uh, they would have to go really custom <laughs> route for that. So, um, <laughs> but but yeah, Seb, it has been uh, great talking with you, and thanks for sharing how you solved this problem and brought another wonderful company to the craft commerce platform uh, to build out the ecosystem. So. Yeah, if anybody wants to check out Seb's work, uh, you can definitely go to bleepsandblops.com, uh, right? And um, check out his portfolio there and see the, the people he's worked with. And um, yeah, so thanks for joining. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It was really nice talking to you guys. And uh, 
yeah, it's good to talk about those things with real people instead of just looking through forums and nice <laughs> 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 no, right. Thanks a lot. All right, techies, you made it through. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with Seb and Michael and me. And um, if you like this type of show, more techie, uh, you're going to have to really let me know because I'm not really trying to dive into full-on tech of this stuff. It's hard over podcasts without like some sort of documentation to go with like, well, what was really done? It just kind of gets forgotten. But if for some reason that's interesting to you, not for some reason, if for good reason that's interesting to you, then let me know. Maybe we can do more. We'll see. But Seb, by the way, was a great guy. So check out his stuff and connect with him if you like music. What else? So in wrapping this up, we are always interested in talking to people who play some role in e-commerce, large or small, whether developers, copywriters, marketers, anything. So just email me at steven, S-T-E-P-A-G-N, at fostercommerce.com. And of course, you can find more episodes of this show commerce minded at fostercommerce.com slash podcast reviews are welcome on itunes and thanks for tuning in as always i'm steven calendar and you've been listening to commerce minded by foster commerce